Now, Tisha Clear of Radker, good morning. Good morning, Brendan. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. So, uh, Merry Christmas. everyone taking your name in, in vain ah, there in the paper. Yeah. So, uh, so we're looking in my, at my contract. I'm we're sure. looking at a February election, are we? Uh, not, no, um, or at least not necessarily. Um, you know, my preference has always been for a summer election uh, for lots of different reasons. Um, but that may not be my call, as you know. Anyone can see that the numbers. So, are you going to let me haul Martin decide when when an election happens? I prefer not to, but 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 may may not even be me haul or me who decide. Uh, as you saw, the numbers in the doll have got very tight. Um, just people retiring um, by elections, people defecting, all sorts of things. And there's even been indications that one Fianna Fáil TD may vote against um, Fianna Fáil. Yeah, so so, so it may not be either of our calls. Um, So is this the suspicion that there may be a vote of no confidence in Simon Harris? And do you think you might not win another vote of no confidence? I I think we would. I think we will. But... um, that's not really the point, in my view. Uh, you know, when this government was formed two and a half years ago, I don't think anyone thought, oh, three and a half years ago, I don't think anyone thought that it would uh, last this long. The reason why it has lasted this long is because of a truce, if you like, between the two major parties, Fianna Fáil and Fine around Brexit, yeah. And Brexit so, will be finished in January, so well, then well, does it make sense to, to, it's your call yeah, to call an well, election, does it make sense to have it in February? It, it's not finished, though. Um, what we, you know, what we, what we have essentially is Brexit moving on to a different phase. So what's what we've managed to achieve in the last couple of years uh, is to avoid a no-deal hard Brexit. So Okay, so that phase done. Yeah. Do we need a new government for the next phase of things? Well, I think we will certainly have a new government for the next phase of things. Because, so, so we'll need to do that um, quickly rather than hanging well, around to May, will we? Well, again, not necessarily, but I think what we need to do over the next couple of weeks, and my focus is on my job not on election planning by the way the the, the papers may maybe focus well, on elections okay. I'm not Okay so is this stuff in the papers correct that five government ministers are working towards a February election the Irish Times actually has dates the, the 14th mm. or the 21st is this all news to you? I haven't discussed any dates with any government minister so there you go <laughs> that, okay. that, that doesn't mean that ministers won't um, won't speculate um, with journalists in the bar and that's the kind of Okay so it's, spe- on, it's speculation but, uh, Yeah Okay, Michal Martin said um, yesterday that he would like to see the government go. He felt Easter was a natural end for the mm. government, and that he would like to, if it. I think he said it would, he would like if it could be agreed that it would go to then. Would you agree that with him? Um, haven't had a chance to speak to him about it yet. So usually we meet at the end of the dull term at the start of the next one. Uh, so um, uh, I, I think we'll do that. Um, don't want to talk to him over the airways. That that's that's not respectful. I'm not going to do that. Um, what he does talk about though is 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 an orderly wind down of the government. I'm not sure what that means. I think a government needs to be focused on its job, um, all the time and always not not being wound down. And then of course is the issue of the of the numbers. But like I say, but like is the is the is the alternative to an orderly wind down a kind of a messy wind down? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that, I don't know what that would look like. But you know, everyone else apart from um, the, the members of government and me are actually focused on the job of being in government. Like I spent the last two okay. days in Brussels representing the country, um, dealing with Brexit, dealing with the next seven-year budget for the European Union, which is going to be really important for us. Dealing with climate action, uh, ministers are busy in that all. Next week, we're going to bring in the appropriations bill, which is the budget for n- next year, which is record funding for health, housing, education, disability, mental health, you name it. Like, that's what I'm doing day to day. Uh, And then I read the papers and everyone's talking about, you know, something you said at a drinks reception. Like, that's, I suppose that's the level of commentary that goes on in in Ireland. Okay, do you you find the media quite trivial? 
I don't think trivial. No, I think there's I think there's obviously really good stories there. Um, okay, and, one of those stories that yeah, I mentioned but earlier. But just, 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 could, just yeah, to explain, sorry, explain yeah. my point, um, there is much more media interest, and this has been going on for years and years and years now, uh, as to when the election will be rather than um, the day-to-day work of government. And right, I understand Possibly that, because there's a sense, in fairness, yeah. Taoiseach, that this, that this government is mm. running out of road. Okay, but look, but, let's but, talk but about more substantial if, things if, in if, the paper. If you'd opened the papers a year ago or a year and a half ago, you would have seen similar stories. Okay. Let's talk about something substantial from the papers. So that image of 10-year-old Alex O'Shaughnessy from Clare having his chemotherapy sessions cancelled, like you can imagine what having a child with cancer does to a family. And here we are in a very wealthy first world country. What do you say to Alex and his mum about that? Well, we've a plan to fix it and a plan to put it right. And um, it's not something I have to imagine. I, I worked in paediatrics. I worked in Crumman Hospital. I'm a doctor by training. Um, uh, and what happened, what happens and does happen uh, is the hospital gets very busy, particularly this time of year when there's the respiratory and synthesial virus and rotavirus. The hospital is chocked full of children who have um, infections. Uh, and when you have a hospital that's full of children with infections, it's not a good idea to bring in patients who have cancer and who are immunosuppressed for for their um, treatment. First of all, there isn't space. And secondly, no, the hospital the, is full yeah, of the, infection. The, yeah, the reason, the reason that these children are not being brought in is because there mm. are no beds for them. Yeah. Well, okay, so his mother and, he, and, and, and Alex are waiting there with their, with their bags packed, waiting to get that call. That's wrong, isn't it? It's terrible. It's, it's wrong. It's terrible. It's, it's, it's terrible. It does, you're, does happen. you're the T-shirt. Yeah, so what do we do about it? We build a new hospital. Uh, and uh, That's not going to be there in time for Alex. There's a whole generation of kids at this stage mm. now have missed out on that hospital. Yeah. That hospital is not the answer to, well, to every question well, about paediatric health. It's not the answer to every question about paediatric health. It is the answer to the question about the fact that our paediatric health infrastructure is out of date and inadequate. Yes, it should have been built uh, a long, long time ago. They were talking about building a new children's hospital when I was a medical student just that long ago. Um, I, I, not, I, it's not that long ago that a previous government spent 35 million euros failing to build it at the matter. It should have been built then. But now it is being built. So this is a hospital that's been promised for 20 years. I'm the one who's delivering it. My government is delivering it. It's now, and at, in the meantime, it's now at roof level. It's now at roof level. Uh, in some places, the windows are even in. The first section of it, which is the Blanchestown uh, Urgent Care Centre, that's now open. It's already helped us to reduce pediatric, general pediatric waiting list by 30%. Uh, just in the past year. Um, Tallow will open next year and the main campus uh, is is going to be open in 22, 23. I, I know that isn't an answer for kids who are now currently yeah. sick. So, but there is no so other there, solution. There, so there's, there's no there answer is, to, well, there's well, no answer. Well, we try to, is there an to, answer to Alex and his mother? There are interim solutions. So for example, there are going to be, uh, you know, additional beds across the children's hospital over the winter. And uh, the minister just gave approval for that in the last couple of weeks. I, I know, but, but that's it, not approval the, in the last couple solution. of weeks. But, but what, were we caught blindsided by the fact that the flu came slightly early? Were we not ready for this? No, we're not caught blindsided by it. Everyone knows that um, hospitals get busier during the winter period. So what? So what, So then, why this is not elective surgery being cancelled, Taoiseach? Why didn't we have a plan in place so that children and families who are having their lives devastated like this weren't made to suffer further at the hands of the state and the health service? Because of a failure to build uh, a new national children's hospital a long time ago, or, or a failure to run the health service as it is now properly? No, your own okay, your own TD, Kate O'Connell, was in Crumlin A and E recently mm. with her child. And she hoped nobody would recognise her in there because she was so embarrassed by the conditions. What do you think of that? 
I think it says that it says to us that we need to build our new children's hospital, our, our new campuses, including the new one in Cork, and we need we need to build them yesterday. But they can't be built yesterday. Um, but they are being built now. Uh, as soon as we had the money to invest again in health and housing, we've been doing that. The first thing we had to do when we got into government was to put the economy right, to get the country working again, to get our budget balanced so that we actually could afford to invest in things like health and housing and education and so on. It's only in the past two or three years we've been able to do that. And look what we've done, you know, three okay, new so hospitals, in the meantime, and no I, new hospitals built in Ireland for okay. 10, 15 years, now three under construction, new national rehab in Dunleary, open next year, the new forensic mental, mental hospital, uh, open next year, children's hospital, now at roof level, Blanchetown already open, Tal open next year. Uh, but until we actually have all the infrastructure in place, it is going to be interim solutions. I wish that wasn't true. But there aren't interim solutions, it, it seems. There's no interim solution for these kids and, and their cancer treatment. Uh, Kate O'Connell waited eight hours before I'll giving just, up. Just and say though, they, they, they just, can I just finish? Yeah. Kate O'Connell waited eight hours before giving up and bringing her child home. You have a sick child, you bring them to hospital, and you eventually decide, actually, there's no point in being in a hospital in Ireland with my sick child. I'm going to go home. Look, I, I, know, I know these problems are real um, and that they're affecting people every day. And my job as Taoiseach heading a government is, is to do something about it. So what am I doing about it? We're putting rec- record levels of funding okay, into healthcare. ever. We're hiring more staff. You have to let me tell you what, what's yeah. happening. Like yeah, it's, well, it's I think entirely, you have... You, it's entirely reason for you, you to have, tell you me the problem given, is I, I'm telling you what, what yeah, the solutions are delivering. You have outlined what, what you're doing and I think and everyone appreciates that. Was, and none that. of that was done before by, by previous governments. We had previous governments that were here during really good economic times with fabulous wealth and they didn't put the investment into healthcare infrastructure. If you take the Fianna Fáil government last time, they were in power. They took a decision to reduce the number of hospital beds. In 2005, we had 12,000 acute hospital beds in Ireland. They took a political, ideological decision to reduce that down to about 10,000. As okay. soon as we had a bean, as soon as we had a bit of money, and we only got had a bit of money around 2014, 2015, we started reversing that policy. We've added 1,000 beds to the hospital system. We have a plan to add another 2,000. We have three new hospitals under construction. We're going to get this done. You know, I wish we could have done it sooner. You know, I wish we'd inherited a country that was... Um, wealthy and <laughs> as you described it we didn't we inherited, inherited a country that was on the brink of bankruptcy that had a massive budget deficit we had to make really tough decisions in the first couple of years to get the country back on track and as soon as we got to the point where we had a budget surplus again where we we're balancing the books only in the last two years have we been able to invest again in health and housing uh, and uh, mental health and so many different areas that are important and we're delivering on those okay um, one i wish the they could be done quicker i really yeah. do and i, I wish i had and, I wish and I had we all do five and years I'm sure ago, those but we chi- didn't those children and their families do as well or i'm sure they 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 wish at least that some do. interim solutions could be put in place for them now another story that is still dragging on and another i think You might think it's trivial. I think people at home uh, listening find this story quite infuriating and it is a substantial story. So Dara Murphy, former Cork North Central TD, was earning a TD's annual salary of 96,000. He was claiming 51,600 a year in expenses while he was seemingly working another full time job in Brussels. Right now, I just I think people are unclear about some aspects of this. You sanctioned Dara Murphy taking up his role as campaign director for the European People's Party in 2017, didn't you? No, I didn't sanction it. You didn't sanction it? No. Hang on, you have said that you, you knew about him taking up this role. Oh, I knew, I knew about it, yeah. You knew about it? Yeah. And no, what? He, he, he didn't ask my... He didn't ask you ask at all, my no? my per- permission to do it or... Really? Or... or, or, or he told me. He told me he had, he had got the position. You yeah. did. You did uh, release a press release at the time, mm-hmm. congratulating him on, on on getting the role. Yes, yeah, that's correct. That's not sanctioning. No, it, it's, I, I I would have thought sanction something is when you sign off on it and approve it. 
Okay, so, technically, so it's, it's but are you not yeah. are you not publicly saying I'm good with this? If you a press release congratulating the guy on it, that's hardly the actions of somebody who is not sanctioning it. He was taking on a role uh, as a campaign director. Um, you'll often see across political parties TDs taking on that kind of role. Pascal Donoghue, for example, is the director of organisation for my party. I'm sure. All other parties have directors for different elections and different campaigns as they Th- go on. This is different, isn't um, it? Would you not admit, Taoiseach? What's 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 different is is the is the expectation when somebody takes on a role like that. Uh, is first of all that it's only temporary, and it, and it was only temporary. It ended six or seven months ago. But more importantly, that they continue to their, do their job as a TD. And do you believe you did? Um, that has to be investigated now. Uh, the, the record shows that he kept his constituency office open, and the record shows that he was present in the doll on. X number of days, 120 days and so on. Um, but people are now questioning that and that's why it needs to be investigated. And How is it going to be investigated? Well, we're going to have to find a way to do that. Um, and that's something that uh, isn't entirely under my control. If he was still a member of the House, he could be investigated by uh, the House Ethics Committee. Apparently because he's no longer a member of the House, that can't be done. Um, so we need to find an alternative option. We might be able to appoint an indep- independent person to, 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 to examine it. He and never if, came and discussed this with you at all. He just took off to... What, what you, you yourself said that you said the European job was his main job in the past two years. So he took off to his main job without ever discussing it with you, one of your TDs. Is that true? Oh, no, he did discuss it. Uh, so he told me oh, he was on. taking... Right. I thought, sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah. I thought you said he didn't. So he told you... He told me that he was given this role uh, and that he'd succeeded in getting this role, um, which I didn't have a, an objection to because... It's not unusual for people in politics to have the role of being a campaign director or director of elections. He was a vice president of the EPP at the time as well. Um, and he did so, on my understanding, on the basis that he would continue to fulfil his functions uh, as a constituency TD for Cork and North Central. And did you know and over in the two years that he was in Brussels all the time and that he would seem to be full-time out of the country? Well, did you know this yeah. was his main job? Well, see, he wasn't full-time out of the country and uh, I would have seen him in Brussels and I would have seen him in Dublin as well. And the record shows okay. that he was present for at least 120 days in the last year in the Dáil and that he was present for uh, for votes. He certainly wasn't at the bottom of the league table in terms of turning up for votes, by the way. So okay. uh, it wasn't that I was only seeing him in Brussels, I was seeing him in Dublin as well. So you, do you think he was working actively as a TD, fulfilling the, his duty to the people who elected him? I think he's questions to answer in that regard because people are querying that. Um, certainly a low attendance in terms of making speeches in the Dáil. Um, a very small number of parliamentary questions put in. Uh, so he's questions to answer and I think that should be investigated. Alan Jukes was sitting there uh, where you're sitting now two weeks ago. He said it was outrageous. He said there was no way you could do the EPP job and perform the duties of a TD. He said that Darren Murphy may have obeyed the letter of the law regarding expenses, but it was totally contrary to the spirit of the law. That's, that's you know, one of your party mm. grandees, a former leader of Fine Gael. What, what What do you say to him? Well, I say to him that um, exactly what I've said is that this matter needs to be investigated. Uh, there needs to be a full investigation into it. And if it's found that he broke the rules, he should um, he, he should pay the money back. And that's what I've said consistently from the very start. Um, but, you know, bear in mind, this is somebody who uh, is not a member of the Dáil anymore, who's not a candidate in the forthcoming elections. We have a series of people who are under investigation for other matters uh, who are candidates in the next election. You know, people like Timmy Dooley, people like Niall Collins. Um, there's questions about Fianna Fáil Sandra, Keith Swanick. Uh, there's questions um, there are, uh, as well about others. Yeah. But, but you know what? The leader of Fianna Fáil isn't in front of me. The leader yeah. of Fianna Gael is, so you can forgive but me is, for is, bringing is, up is, the is, is, Murphy. No, I, I, do, yeah, I do forgive yeah, you, yeah. but isn't it reasonable for me to point out that the leader of Fianna Gael is making sure that 
people aren't on aren't on our tickets. Um, I, I, you know, there's, there's there's the things I can do as a leader, things I can't. I can't dismiss TDs. Well, and well did you, did you, I can you, sack people as ministers and as chair. I can't take them off tickets. Yeah, well, he 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 wasn't taken off a ticket though. He no. took off of his no, own. No, he, when, when I became Taoiseach, he ceased to be um, uh, minister of state for Europe. I dropped him. Uh, he then took a decision that he was going to retire from the Dáil, and that was his decision. I respect that. Okay. Uh, and, Did you and, see you know, the letter? There's, there's other people I've had to take off the ticket for the election next year. Um, is Verona Murphy there, there may, there may, going there may, to be on your there ticket? May, there may be others to come. Is Verona uh, Murphy going to be on the Fine Gael ticket? That's not decided yet, but there may be others, others to come. It's you haven't very decided. Different, it's a very diff- different approach. We have, to, we have a process that we have to follow. Uh, and again, I'm not going to announce those things over air. There's a process that we have to follow. But the approach that I've taken, um, where there has been... Um, a lapse in ethical standards in my party is to take people uh, off the ticket. Okay. That's a totally different approach to Fianna Fáil, where these people not only are still on the ticket, they could even be made ministers by Micheál Martin. Why, isn't, why, okay. why, why aren't Fianna Fáil taking these people off their election tickets? They should be, surely. Did you read the letter that Peter McFarry wrote to the Irish Times last week about Darren Murphy and related matters? I did, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just, I'll, it's very quick, so I'm just going to read it out quickly. Sir, I attended court with a young homeless boy who had been charged with theft of a bottle of orange, value one euro. Another homeless man was charged with theft of four bars of chocolate, value three euro. Another homeless man was charged with theft of two packets of Silcott cigarettes. A TD on his way to or from its full-time, very well-paid job in Brussels stops by at Dáil Éireann to sign in so he can collect his full 51,600 expenses for his attendance at the Dáil. Yours, etc. Father Peter McVeigh. What do you say to Peter McVeigh? He has a point, doesn't he? He does, he does have a point. Um, what I say is what I've said to you and I've said to people consistently uh, is that uh, former TD, uh, Dara Murphy, has questions to answer in this. Um, there should be an investigation. If it's found that he broke the law or broke the rules, uh, well, then he should be dealt with appropriately. And what about a country where there's a young homeless boy charged with the theft of a bottle of orange valued one euro and he's up in court? Owen Murphy, actually, d- d- yeah, well, told well, him... I, I don't know the detail of that, but, you know, I do know it is extremely unusual for somebody to be prosecuted for something like you that. You would hope so. There's usually you? more, yeah. there, there's sometimes more behind it. it. There may have been multiple offences or other offences or it may have been the way to get them some help and into the system. So, you know, I okay. do know a bit about the courts and, and there's probably more to those individual stories okay. than than is, than is being related there. Okay. Uh, certainly, certainly children in Ireland are not being, you know, locked up for stealing a bottle of orange. There's usually more to than that there may and, have been a pattern that, of offence thankfully or, those dark chapters or, or, in the or, country are largely or, or it may have been a way or maybe in a way, way to get them into a juvenile at, um, system at, as uh, you said that could okay. actually help them okay okay Owen Murphy told the housing committee this week he, he, he said that the state is letting children down so 4,026 children projected to be homeless this Christmas is the state letting down these children um, yes um, but we're doing a lot as well to, to help them um, we have about um, about 10,000 people or so at the moment in emergency accommodation. Uh, we've also taken 14,000 people out of emergency accommodation into secure housing. Um, that's a big change. You know, we're taking as many people out of homelessness now uh, as are going into homelessness, but we're still not uh, on top of it uh, as an issue. And we're not going to be on top of it until we build enough social housing. So what's changed? Uh, when I became Taoiseach, only about 7,000 houses a year were being built. This year, it'll be over 20,000 houses. Um, this Christmas, there will be 20,000 families in homes that didn't exist this last year. Um, a lot of that housing is social housing as well. Nearly a third of the housing produced this year is social housing. So uh, many more families will be in, you know, in a house this Christmas um, 
essentially in a home that wasn't that wasn't built last year. And, and, we ha- and we meanwhile, I don't know if you heard drive time during the week. A, a, a woman, she was crying on air, right? She told a reporter she won't be able to cook Christmas dinner. They're going to McDonald's or KFC instead. She and her four children are in one room in three beds pushed together. There was another woman with four children living in a B&B. She said three of her children travel an hour to get to school. The fourth child is autistic, doesn't have a school place. She's depressed, she's on medication, she has no hope and she has contemplated taking her own life. And there are a lot of really sad stories like that uh, and I hear them all the time, not just through the media, uh, through my work as a constituent CTD and through my day-to-day life as, as somebody who represents the people of this country. The question again is, what are we going to do about it? Um, and what we're doing is embarking on the biggest social housing programme in this country for decades. More social housing, about 10,000 units added this year, more than any year during the boom or bust under any other party. Uh, that's being done now. And there are positive stories too. And I, I wish people saw these because I see them too, because I often have the privilege of being present uh, when we open a new social housing development, uh, meet the families who um, either were in emergency accommodation before or maybe in overcrowded accommodation with their parents. Um, and I see the relief on their faces. I see the joy in their faces. That, Absolutely. And, you know, that's happening all the time, too. You know, te- there, are, there are at least 10,000 families this year uh, who have been given permanent social housing who didn't have it before more than any year in the entire decade. Absolutely. Boom and bust, Fianna Labour, Green, any party you want, didn't do it. We're doing that now. We need to ramp it up. Our plan is to get to 11,000 next year, 12,000 the year after, over the next five years to add about 60,000 homes to social housing stock. Again, if this could have been done, uh, if we, you know, three, four, five, six years ago, if we'd had the money to do it, um, it would have been done. But well, it wasn't. Do you worry that there's a generation of children, though, that that is too late for? You know that that the the research we saw about children who are who are growing up in in family homes and in hotels. These children aren't learning to crawl or walk. Some of them aren't learning to to chew solid food because it's easier to keep giving them like m- mushy baby food. It's, it's all going to be too late for them, isn't it? Well, we know from, we know from the same research that, uh, you know, the average family that has to live in emergency accommodation uh, are in it for less than a year. That's a long time in a child's life, but to say growing up in homelessness is, implies much longer than that. And for those in family hubs, it's less than six months. So that's, um, and in family hubs, and I've been, been a lot of them, um, you have your own door. In most cases, you have your own cooking facilities. There are play areas. It's a much higher quality of accommodation than uh, hotels and B&Bs, which are totally unacceptable. Um, so that's the situation that we're in now. I think some of the research is, is UK-based because, unfortunately, these problems uh, exist in other countries too. But again, uh, is it possible to solve all of the country's problems right now? Can anybody do that? No. Uh, we're always okay. going to live in a country that has um, problems. The question is, are you dealing with them? And we're dealing with them as fast as we can. If anybody comes into the studio and somehow tells you uh, that they can magic up tens of thousands of houses quicker or build a new hospital overnight, they're not telling you the truth. But you know, I... I take all that, I really do. But you know what people are texting in and they're saying, for example, Elaine from Wicklow, because, you know, you know that as well uh, that these things are about optics and they're about what people mm. see and the stories that people see in the papers, they are facts as well. But look, Elaine in Wicklow, uh, uh, on, on the, the children waiting for chemo, that answer is not good enough. What is going to happen now, today, for that boy who needs chemo? And you can understand that mm. that's how people feel. Yeah, having read that story in the paper, I understand that, the, that, that, that boy is n- n- boy now is receiving outpatient treatment. So, yeah. so in, in his case, at least, it, at least the papers are correct, it appears to have been resolved. How do we prevent it 
into, into the future, um, we are able to put a small amount of additional bed capacity into, into the children's hospitals. That happened last winter. It is happening again this winter. That will alleviate the situation, but it won't solve it. Um, what will solve it uh, is... Is it beyond us to solve these problems? Oh, no, it's yeah. not beyond us to solve them. Uh, like, but what will, what will bring us to the point where we're in a much better situation than we're in now uh, is the building of those new paediatric units. As I said, Blanchetown open, Tal open next year, the main hospital finally at roof level, uh, also plans to upgrade paediatric facilities in, in Cork. We're never going to have a perfect health service, no, no country does, but we can make things a lot better, particularly when it comes uh, to issues around access. Um, but that requires investment and we've only been able to make that investment in a serious manner in the past two or three years. But one thing I would, would bear in mind, you know, a lot of people talk about um, the NHS and how great the NHS is in the United Kingdom. Uh, cancer survival rates in Ireland are better than the NHS. If you get cancer in Ireland, you're more likely to survive than if you get cancer in Northern Ireland or Scotland or Wales or England. That didn't happen by accident. Uh, that happened because of a national cancer strategy, <coughs> sustained investment in cancer services, improvements in, 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 in vaccines and prevention, all sorts of things, and the phenomenal work of our healthcare staff. And I so think that's there's an no doubt that where, people say once you get into our yeah. health service, the people working in there are amazing and there's great but, you know, But that is an example yeah. of, where, of, where, of where we have made a lot of progress in health in recent years. Take stroke, for example, um, a, a dramatic improvement uh, in, in stroke survival in Ireland. Uh, suicide, which you touched on earlier, um, used to be nearly 600 people in Ireland taking their lives in 2015. That's down by 30 or 40 percent. That's in part, at least, because uh, yeah, of investment our, our, in our health, health services and, and our, our, child and adult, our, our, our child and adolescent mental health services are not fit for purpose. Sure, they're not. No, they're not. Um, and what's happened in the past year? I, mean, I wouldn't be boasting about our mental well, health services. Well, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't boasting, um, but I was pointing out that we now invest about a billion euros every year in mental health, which is way up on where it was a couple of years ago. What does that mean in practice? It means, for example, you mentioned child and adult mental health services, the waiting list down for that, down by about 20% in the past year. Why did that happen? Because of reform and investment, uh, taking on associate assistance psychologists, going for a different model rather than the more psychiatric-based model. Um, these but are you're not seriously trying to tell us that the CAM service in this country is functioning well for people, are you? No, because I'm not. Like a, yeah. But what I am saying is that uh, improvements are okay. being made uh, and those improvements don't happen by accident, they happen because of investment and reform and those investments and reforms are happening. Another area, for example, um, adult waiting lists, you know, the, the, the huge issue of people waiting for a cataract, waiting for a hip replacement, a knee replacement, uh, an angiogram, veins, all of that. Uh, when I became Taoiseach about two and a half years ago, there were, I think, 68,000 people waiting um, more than three months, uh, more than 12 weeks for those procedures. We're now down around 30 something thousand. Uh, I know that's not that's nothing to boast about, 38,000 38, people having to wait uh, more than 12 weeks for that kind of operation. But it did used to be 60-something thousand. And you would think sometimes that these things were always getting worse and are actually getting worse. There are loads of examples now of where things are actually improving. Um, you know, the fact that we've been able to extend free GP care to kids in over 70s yeah. and we have a plan to extend that further to all kids. Uh, been again, able to again, reduce though, prescription the, charges. The, the GP situation in this country is is not functioning for a lot of people either. Would you not agree? Um, I think that depends. Uh, when we actually ask patients what they think of our health service, by the way, and this isn't a survey done by me, it's okay. done professionally, 84% uh, of them say that they had a good experience or a very good experience of our health service. I totally appreciate that means that there's 16% that don't, and that's that's a big number when you're in, in a big country. Uh, and, again, and when you're sick and vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely, and absolutely. Okay. But, but there's a wider picture that we should acknowledge as well. Uh, and bear in mind, even take, for example, across the water, where it's the norm for people to wait two weeks to see their GP. That's not the case in Ireland. There are people who have trouble getting a GP. There 
people mm-hmm. with troubles getting a GP appointment, but it's a much better situation than we have uh, in other jurisdictions. Okay. And the number of GPs, and again, you, you would be forgiven for not knowing this or not thinking this, we've ne- actually never had more GPs in Ireland. And again, that's not my opinion. That's okay. the number of people with a contract with HSC. It's the number of people who are on the specialist register. And this year, we're hiring, we're training more GPs than ever before and more people than ever before applied to become a GP. And if there's ever a sign that there's some level of confidence uh, in general practice is the fact that record numbers of young doctors applied to get on those training schemes, even though we had a record number of places. Okay, but, but the growing demand for healthcare is, is inexorable, so we're always yes, going to be struggling yes, to get on top yes, of it. Yes, um, I'm conscious that time is against us and, 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 and you need to go. I, I did want to ask you a question. Four, three, four days after Verona Murphy made appalling comments about... Um, in the course of a, of a by-election campaign, she made them in the course of an election campaign about deprogramming asylum-seeking children, linking asylum-seekers to ISIS. Why did you go down campaigning with her in Wexford a few days later? Uh, because in the interim, she apologised for those comments and withdrew them unequivocally. Is that enough? Is that enough for you? It was enough for me at the time, yeah. Um, what was done subsequently in terms of the uh, video she did, um, uh, which sort of tried to imply the whole thing was a media character assassination attempt on her, I had a big problem with that because it sort of suggested to me that maybe the maybe the apology and retraction wasn't fully sincere. Were you involved in picking her personally as a candidate? Um, I, I was, yeah. Uh, she's somebody who I would have encountered um, uh, through her work in the Irish Road College Association. She's somebody who many people would have seen on TV many times uh, talking about Brexit and talking about those issues. Um, she's an impressive life story, uh, somebody who left school early, somebody who experienced homelessness herself, somebody who um, really um, um, made a life for herself. And who vetted, of, who of vetted her then beyond that? Oh, like, like this, this, obviously, there, there are interviews with um, party officials and then there's a convention. So, you know, members vote in a convention as to whether somebody can be a candidate or not. Um, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes, Bren, you think, you think you know somebody and they come out with these kind of comments um, and uh, that certainly came, came as a surprise. Listen, back to events um, across the water um, and events in the north, I guess, particularly. So this is the first time that unionists... And just say, as part of that vetting, um, you know, we would always do media training and kind of hard questions on things like direct provision would have been asked, but that wasn't the answer given. Yeah, well, she even asked a hard question. Like, it seemed like she volunteered this, that these were her thoughts. Anyway, listen... I I wasn't there personally for all all of that. Listen, can I ask you about... So... The unionists no longer, for the first time, don't have a majority of representation in the north. And obviously, more of a clamour starting now for a border poll and the road to United Ireland. Do you think we have now come a step closer to that? I think now is definitely not the time uh, for a border poll. Um, What we see in the elections uh, in Northern Ireland that's very significant uh, is that uh, for the first time, there are more nationalist MPs elected than unionist MPs. It's, um, I think it's 981. And that mirrors a reflection that happened in the European elections and the council elections before that. But what we see now in Northern Ireland is something that's been emerging for a long time. Uh, no nationalist majority, no unionist majority. And what's very encouraging to me in many ways is a growing centre ground mm-hmm. of people who are willing to vote for Alliance Party. Is this moving us closer to a border poll? Because that's what people down here probably are more interested yeah, in. Yeah, I, I've reflected on that. And I think that's that's the wrong approach now for Northern Ireland. Um, I, given the fact that there is not a nationalist majority in Northern Ireland, nationalist party's got about 40 40% in the elections, it would probably be defeated 
it would probably be very divisive. And what I think all sides should now do, uh, all communities in Northern Ireland, the two governments, is to recommit to the Good Friday Agreement. Because the, 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 the philosophy that lies behind the Good Friday Agreement, the two communities working together, power sharing in Northern Ireland, closer cooperation north-south, and all done the context of British-Irish relations, uh, that John Hume vision, if you like, of 20 years ago, is actually as strong and as relevant now as it was then, even if there have been changes in demographics and politics. So perhaps the border poll is something that comes uh, down the line. Um, but I think for the foreseeable future, what we need to do is to work the Good Friday Agreement, um, make it function again. And, and when other people may be speculating about election timing, my focus over the next couple of weeks with the Taunashta is really going to be on that and okay. trying to work with the parties and work with Prime Minister Johnson. I spoke to him last night on the phone about this uh, to try and get um, the talks up and running again next week uh, with a view to having an executive and assembly in place by the 13th of January. How are you finding him to deal with? Um, very good. Uh, he's, he's easy to talk to. Uh, like he, is, he is the guy you see on TV. He's, he's, he's witty, he's intelligent, um, uh, on occasion a little bit eccentric, um, but somebody who, at least so far, I felt that I could meet and deal with uh, and has been uh, honourable in any agreements that we've come to or any understandings that we've had. So, And do you, do you buy into this notion that now that he is freed of the extremists in his party and the ERG, that he's not so beholden to them, that we could be looking at a Brexit in name only or a much, much softer Brexit? Well, it won't be Brexit in name only. Brexit is real and it's going to happen on the 31st of January. Um, we've secured a lot. There won't be a hard border between North and South. The common travel area between Britain and Ireland will stay and all those citizens' rights that we have, Irish people in Britain, British people in Ireland, all of that is protected. In terms um, of the subsequent trade yeah, talks and yeah, everything, though, do you I, I, think that's, he, that's, is he going to stay close to the EU? Um, that's a decision that, that, that he's going to have to make. In our conversations, what he's indicated to me, and it's there in the joint political declaration is that what he's going to want is a close trading relationship between the EU, including Ireland and the UK. So that is no tariffs, no quotas, minimum checks and, uh, and uh, you know, minimum checks and paperwork and so on. Mm -hmm. And that would be really important for our jobs, our economy, uh, our agri-food sector, our businesses. But the thing we are going to say back to him is the European Union, and this is really important from our point of view, is yes, we can agree that, but we must have common minimum standards. We're not going to agree to that if you're going to try to undercut us on health and safety, on labour rights, on mm -hmm. environmental protections. So that's where the negotiation space is going to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Um, but I think we can deliver on that. And, we will need you know, a stable government for all of this. Now, if it happens that the most logical government the next time or the government that starts emerging is a Fianna Fáil minority government, will you support that? Uh, what I've said very clearly is that Fine Gael intends to win the next election when it comes uh, and uh, lead the next government, and that's what we intend to do. If it doesn't happen? If we're the largest party, we're not going to uh, allow a situation where we're propping up the parties that come second, fourth and fifth. That isn't going to happen. Um, if, if you're we, not if we the find largest party? Then we'd have to consider all options. Uh, if, if we find Could you see yourself supporting a, a minority Fianna Fáil government? Um, no, because I don't see ourselves not becoming the, the largest party, and that's okay, what we okay, intend to do. Okay, okay, <laughs> with, the, right. with, with the people's um, support, of course. Okay, Tisha Gleevrakar, thank you very much. Thanks we'll for take me. a break.